Great, good evening everyone, so good to see you. So as Andrew said, we're um, right at the end of our Faith for Generations um, sermon series, looking at what it looks like to have a multi-generational faith and church. And, and, we, and Rachel kicked off the series for us a few weeks ago now and asked the question um, of us, has it become a place where our church has become disjointed or disconnected from each other, um, using the image of one body and many parts from 1 Corinthians 12? And today we're going to hone in a little bit and look at what that looks like um, in our church, in our church specifically. Um, But helpful to note from the start, as I think was mentioned last week, when we talk about our church, I'm not talking about the four walls here or our gathered celebrations. We're talking about the body of Christ as one, all together as a family. Um, But before we kick off, let's just have a look at a little video that I think demonstrates what multi-generational faith isn't. I love that advert. Um, So multi-generational church doesn't look like us dumbing down church for young people. And it doesn't look like um, us making young people or children be more like adults than they already are. Um, Nor does it look like having children at all of our adult adult gatherings or vice versa. Um, Because if we did any of that stuff, just like Haribo, um, it would look good on the surface, but it would lack any nutritional nutritional value at the end of it. Um, It looks like family. It looks like family together. Um, Family is the only thing that we can compare church to. And if church is a family, then there is no other option than for us to be multi-generational, because families are multi-generational in their very essence. And from the outset, I think it's really important that we say that family is something that I think we do really well here at Trinity. Um, I came here two years ago, and I was really struck by the sense of family when I arrived. I've been in churches that are much um, smaller than this, um, that felt less like a family than we do here. So I think we need to give ourselves a pat on the back right at the start and say we do this really well. We connect with each other well. We, we engage with kids and young people and old people really well. We do, we do it well. But that doesn't mean that we don't want to strive for more and we don't want to see if we can do more of that and be more intentional about the way that we do that, which is exactly what we're doing now. So it's not about kind of bashing anything that we do or don't do at the minute because I think we do it really well. It's just about asking for more. Um, Yeah, so a few points on what multi-generational faith looks like. Sorry, I lost myself in my notes. Uh, So it looks like it's all connecting together as one, just like families do. Babies, single adults, parents, grandparents, together in community, all together, living, rubbing alongside each other. And just as a little side note for this particular congregation, I've got a bit of a sense, actually, that um, culture has changed the way that we live. Um, And I speak to myself in this just as much as anyone else. I don't believe that necessarily it was biblical or God's way for lots of us to leave our family homes before we got married, because I think it's important that we live together in family, in multi-generational homes. So I'm not saying that we all need to go back and live with our parents, but I'm saying that means that we need to be intentional about finding family elsewhere, because if we're living by ourselves and outside of that multi-generational connection, as we talked about last week, then we need to find it in different places. Uh, That's a a side note, though. Um, And I'm not saying that... um, that doing that, because there are many benefits of um, living by yourself, but, yeah, kind of connecting and making sure that you bring back the family essence that you have while you're not living in that way at the moment. 
But so a few, a few points on, on what multi-generational church is. Um, so yes, I believe that children need us. Absolutely, young people need us. Um, they learn and grow from those older and wiser than them. But also we need them too. Um, I believe that children help us see the Father's heart and young people help us see prophetically into the future of what the kingdom has for us. Um, and it's about sowing and reaping both up and down the generations. Um, and that's just the same way that it would be in family. I believe that family, in families, parents teach children just as much as, well, probably more than, but um, children also teach their parents things. We learn from each other. It's not, it's not all downwards. It's upwards and downwards. Multi-generational church is both and. It's not all together or all separate. We need times when we're separate as adults and times when we're separate as children, but we also need those times together as well. It's both and. It's messy. There's no easy way of doing it, but it's really important that we remember it's everything. Families don't spend all their time together at once, but they do spend their entire lives rubbing up against each other and connecting with each other in community, in constant um, flow, in and out of where people are at and what they're doing. So it's both and. Multi-generational church says that every age matters. Um, in 1 Timothy 4 verse 12, where it says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. I would actually like to add, or old. Don't let anyone look down on you because of any stage of life you are at, because you have something to contribute and something to give. Um, a 50-year-old who's just become a Christian might need really similar spiritual input to a 17-year-old who, who has been a, in a Christian home their whole lives. So it looks different. I don't believe that the kingdom works in uh, kind of age growth in that way. I don't believe that that's how it works in any way, shape, or form. And just because every age matters um, and everyone has a part to play, it doesn't mean that that all has to be the same either. Um, Acts 2 is often a passage that is used to describe as um, everyone and everything all together in the kingdom of God, which is absolutely true. But if we just take a closer look at Acts 2 verse 17, um, it says, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Notice how it says, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Um, I believe that it's signaling that, yes, everyone in the family of God has a role and a place, but it's uniquely different depending on your age and stage. In family, everybody gets to contribute. Everyone gets to contribute as being part of family life, but not everybody gets to drive the car until they're old enough to do so. There's, there's appropriate stages for things to happen. But the biggest problem with um, thinking of multi-generational church as family um, is that family's really hard, and I don't want to skirt over that in any sense at all. Um, but unfortunately, there is no getting away from the fact that church is family because it's biblical. God is father, we are his children, um, that is family. I wasn't brought up in a church at all. Um, I became a Christian at 22. And my family background is really difficult. Uh, well, well, was really difficult. Um, my parents got divorced at a really young age. Um, they spent their, well, they, they still don't talk to each other, but um, I rarely saw my dad from the age of four to 15. Um, my parents were completely against each other and putting me and my sister against uh, the other parent as well. Um, my sister and I would argue quite a lot as we grew up. Uh, and my relationship with my dad was pretty broken um, until really recently, actually. And so I've had a really difficult time allowing God to be my father. That's been a real journey that I've been on. Um, and even in joining church maybe eight, eight nine years ago, the, the, the message of family felt quite difficult because I was like, well, why would I want to be part of a family? My family sucks. Like, why would I want that? Um, but actually, where did I find most of my healing from a lot of that stuff? 
in the church family. Um, I found it in my identity as a son of God and knowing that my place in the family of God. And I'm not fully there and I don't believe that any of us ever will be until we reach heaven. Um, but I'm seeing the fruit of wrestling with that stuff and realizing my identity as a son and I have a place in his family. And uh, that's why I'm really passionate about some of the stuff that we're going to get into today. That's why I want to talk about what multi-generational church looks like. Because I believe that if we can't see ourselves as children of God in his family, then we will never function like a family. If we aren't all here acting like children of God and brothers and sisters together, then we will never function like a family if we don't do that. So I've got two main points for us to look at this evening. The first is adoption um, in my father's house and purpose, there's a place for me. So we're going to get into a passage, there's a familiar passage that I want us to look at, um, that um, in view of our identity and purpose in the family of God, it's in, we're going to look at um, Luke chapter 15 if you want to start turning there in your Bibles. Um, and this is a story, the parable of the lost son, it's a story of a son leaving his father and returning, often used to show the um, the father's heart of unconditional acceptance. But I actually believe that it's a bit of a prophetic vision for our society today, not only about sonship, but about our place in the church family. And I think there's a danger that culture has broken down what it looks like to be family so much um, that it can have an impact on what it looks like for us to outwork that in the church. Um, and yeah, so let's, uh, let's jump into the scripture and read it. So. Luke chapter 15, verse 11, parable of the lost son. I'm just going to read the whole uh, section. So Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son um, got, all he, all, got together all he had and set off for a distant country where he squandered his wealth in wild living. After that, he, after he had spent everything, there was severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods and, that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How much of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the other son was in the field. While he, when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied. And, father has, and, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he had him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, after all these years I've been slaving for you, and you never, and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you will kill the fattened calf for him? 
My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So, the son had an orphan spirit. He didn't have a spirit of sonship. He was living at home with his father and his brother, yet he still had an orphan spirit. That's why he said, Father, give me my share of the estate. He was literally wishing to become an orphan um, so that he could gain his inheritance. So I want to ask us a question today and say, it is possible for us to be following Jesus and in his family, but still have an orphan spirit and not truly belong. If we don't see ourselves as children of God, as in totally and fully in that way as, as of our identity of children that overflows into every area of our lives, then we will never see um, our home as being our father's house, as part of the family. If the son really knew what it meant to be part of that family, what that really meant for him, I don't actually believe he would ever have left. Um, and the problem with having an orphan spirit is that orphans experience famine. So the son squandered his wealth um, and experienced famine not long after. But actually, the, mo the most valuable thing that the son squandered wasn't the money from his father. It was his identity as a son and his connection with his family. That was the most valuable thing that he lost and squandered, his identity and his connection with his family. Not too long ago, I find myself realizing that I had squandered some of my wealth in terms of my identity as a son, as I kind of shared has been a bit of a journey of mine. There's a, a situation in my life where I was unable to see myself as a child of God. Um, and I needed a, an encounter with, with the Father God to call me home. And God spoke to me really powerfully and broke off some lies that I was believing about my place um, with my earthly family that was having an impact on my identity with him and his family. Um, and really soon after that, the, the richnesses of all that he's got for me begin to kind of change in my situations and I begin to see my situations in a completely different way because God spoke to me really powerfully about what my identity is as a son of him. And I've begun that journey even more so of journeying away from being like an orphan and closer to being a son of God. And that's been really powerful in me knowing my place in God's family. Um, an important thing to note is that the son said, he, it says that um, he hired himself to a citizen of that country. And, well, that's signaling again that the son didn't realize where his true citizenship was. We are citizens of heaven, not the world. Uh, and we need to remember our heritage. Uh, that's why he said, I've sinned against heaven and against earth, because he suddenly realized what he had done. Um, our citizenship is so important. It's a really important value to remember when approaching the family of God together. Um, Remembering that our home is, uh, is heaven, it is not earth. And I know that I'm often too quick to do that and to bring earth value into a situation or a circumstance, but actually bringing heaven's eyes and heaven's situation into something is so important. And we get that when we know that we are a son or a daughter and that we belong to the family. But the good news is that it's God's heart to displace our orphan heart and to call us into sonship or Daughtership, is that the right word? Uh, I believe that there's a homecoming uh, call from God to us, especially to people of my generation, I actually believe, which is uh, what a lot of you are here today. In John 14, it says this, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. 
On that day you will realize I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show, them, and show myself to them. And it goes on to say, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. There's a homecoming call from God to all of us to go deeper into our identity as sons and daughters with him. It also says in the passage, um, the son, when he came to his senses, and I think it's important to note that um, true love lets us make our own choices, and that is um, the heart of God. God will never force you to be his child, um, but he's desperate for it to happen. Um, But an orphan has no connection and no connection to the family. That's what happened to the son when he, when he left the house. He lost his connection um, to the rest of the family. And that's why it says, um, the son of mine was dead, because he placed on himself an orphan spirit. But we are found when we join the family. That's why he becomes alive again and is found again, because he rejoins the family when he embraces his sonship. So in order to work out multi-generational multi-generational church, we have to embrace church as a family and embrace our sonship um, or daughtership and embrace that we are family together. You with me? Great. Second point. Um, Purpose, there's a place for me. So orphans have no identity and therefore they have no purpose and connection. That's why the son ended up squandering everything because he lost his place in the family. We receive our sonship through the Father's heart and those in fellowship with us. So the Father's heart speaks really profoundly to us about our identity and our calling and our purpose, but the family of God back it up also. Our brothers and sisters spur us on in that, in understanding that, in pressing into it and knowing it. In that season that I talked about earlier where I was finding things a little difficult, yes, it was God that spoke really powerfully about my sonship and my relationship with him, but it was actually also the, fa- the family that he put around me, church family, not actual family because none of my family are Christians, but the church family here that spoke over me, my identity, it spoke over me, my sonship, my purpose, my calling, um, and that's a really important thing about church being family. And so if there's a part of you that doesn't accept Um, sonship or adoption into this family, then you won't know your place in this family if you can't accept that you are a son or daughter of God and that you have a place here. Until you are fully adopted into the family, like adopted in your heart, not just in your head. Because once we receive a spirit of sonship, we we realize who we are. We realize that we are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And the son began to realize this when he was in the pigsty, when he said, even my father's servants are treated better than this. His shame was hindering him from seeing himself as a full son, but there was a deeper yearning inside of him that knew that something wasn't right, that this wasn't how he was designed to live. And when our shame tells us that we have no place in our family, then we need to not let that hold us back. We can't allow that to let us retreat. Like the son, we have to notice that that's not right and approach the throne and contend for more. Contend for the fact that you all have a place in this family. You all have something to contribute both up and down the generations. Because once we receive a spirit of sonship, we know that we are uniquely positioned to be ourselves and nobody else. Nobody can be you in this family like you can be you in this family. We all have a unique contribution to make that is different from anybody else. 
And we know that for God's family to be fully actualized as heaven sees it, we need everybody to be outworking their identity and their purpose in this family as an expression of who they are. So yes, because when we receive a spirit of sonship, um, then we contribute to the family as an expression of who we are. A mother doesn't cook a meal for her family out of duty. She does it out of an expression of who she is in that season, a mum. Because we're not hired hands. The son returns and says, let me be your hired hand. But the father says, no, you have a place here. He puts a robe on him. He puts a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And he says, this son of mine, he affirms his identity, is found. He affirms his place. And today, God wants to affirm your identity and affirm your place in the family. The other son says, I've been slaving for you. The the other son's angry because he's been slaving. He's been trying to earn his identity. But the thing is, it's not about obligation. It's about obedience. There's actually two types of um, word in the Bible for obedience. Um, And the first one in Greek is, excuse my pronunciation, hupako, maybe? Who knows? Maybe you can research it when you get home. Um, and, that's, and when that word is used in relation to obedience to God, it means to listen under, to listen to God as an outward, an outward expression of a heart that is turned to God. So that, that obedience is listening to God and responding to what he says. Not the other one, which is uh, pitho, which is used in regards to leaders, which is much more similar to our English understanding of the word, which is about being persuaded by or yielded to or won over. God's not trying to win us over to do things for him. He's asking us to be obedient um, because we love him as an outward expression of our heart towards him. So there's a place for you in this family of God. Everybody gets to contribute, just like in a family. Not out of obligation. I could stand here and give you a whole load of list of things that would sound really good about how you could contribute into making this a more multi-generational church. that you would respond out of, obedience, out of um, obligation, not out of obedience. We need to do it out of obedience as an expression of who you are and your love for the Father, and he will show you what to do. And we're going to give him some space to do that later because obedience requires listening to the, um, to the Lord. And what I would remind you to do is that when we make space for that, to remember that we are looking specifically today at what that looks like in a multi-generational faith. So when you ask God, what is your place in this family Perhaps challenge yourself to look a little bit further than your immediate friends and say, what would it look like for me to be part of this family, which is much wider than maybe I might have realized before. And so there's a song actually that, um, written by Hillsong, which I think captures the heart of this so perfectly, and we're going to listen to it in a minute and play it over us. And the lyrics go like this. It says, in my father's house, there is a place for me. I am a child of God. In my father's house, there is a place for me. I am a child of God. Let's just um, listen to this song. So God wants to remind you all that you are a child of God and that in his house, there is a place for you place for you to be all that you are called to be connected together as a family. And so there might be some people here today who have never considered themselves as a child of God. 
and you are thinking that you might want to make that step today to join the family. Or maybe you might believe that you've wandered away and that you want to return home. Or I feel for many of us here that it might be that we know that this is our family, but if we search deep inside, we know that there are places that we're still outworking some of that orphan spirit um, to a situation or a relationship where we don't bring the full identity of a child of God to a situation. And for many of us, the question of our place in this family is a huge one. You might not feel like it feels like a family to you. Um, what, you might be asking what your purpose is or what you can contribute um, or how you fit into this big, messy, multi-generational family. Well, there'll be some time for God to come and speak to you about that too. And as I said, I could stand here and list a whole um, different list of prayers to pray or teams to join or things to do or say that would sound great. But any response to that would be um, not out of um, obedience, but out of duty. And so we want to respond out of obedience to God. So we want him to speak to us about what that looks like and for what it looks like to contribute into this multi-generational family. So in a moment, we're going to make space for him to come and speak to us and do exactly that. But for a moment, let's just imagine what it could look like. Imagine a church family that fully saw their identity as children of God a part of a wider family, so much so that nothing held them back from everything that God was calling them to do and to be. A church that functioned exactly like a family should be, with everybody connected to each other, everybody contributing, not because they should, but because it's their unique God-given destiny to do so. A church that could passionately declare, I am who you say I am, and in my Father's house there's a place for me, and I'm outworking it. I think that'll be pretty special. So should we stand and pray? I'm going to ask the band to come up, but let's just still our hearts for a second and respond. I'm actually just going to give a bit of silence for you to just listen to the Lord for a minute. Father God, I want to thank you for our identity in you. I want to thank you that you, you know and love every single individual in this room. You know the hairs on their head, you know their name, you knit them together in their mother's womb, and you have a unique purpose and calling for them. And I pray right now you begin to pour out your father heart onto people. I pray that you would begin to call people home call back your sons and daughters into deep, intimate relationship with you. I thank you, God, that it's not a, a, a one-to-one relationship with you. It's a relationship with your family, as messy and dysfunctional as that can be. We thank you for it. We thank you for the richness of it, that it helps us grow and learn. Thank you that the, your body 
expresses your heart to us. I just pray now that you begin to speak to your children about how they might want to respond. Speak to them about what it is that they they might need to do as a response to this, who they might need to talk to or come forward and ask for prayer. But I do just want to give an opportunity for, for anyone who has not classed yourself as a child of God before. Maybe you've kind of come in on the street or you've been hesitating about what that might look like for you, but I believe that God's on some people's case to come home, to come into a relationship with him. So if that's you, I'm just going to pray a few simple lines out loud while every head is bowed and eye is closed. And if you want to respond to that, then just in, in your heart, just repeat the sentences after me. Father God, thank you that you love me. I'm sorry that I have tried to live my life without you. I want to say now that I need you. I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me. And with your help, I want to live my life for you. So if you, if you responded to that, just, just so that we can send someone to come and pray with you and get some information into your hand, maybe you could just put your hand up in the air so I can just see if someone's, anyone's responded. Okay, and so, so for the rest of us, I believe that God wants to do some business with us, so I'm just going to invite some of you to begin to come forward if you've been stirred, if you want someone to come and stand with you and pray into any of this stuff. Maybe some of it's to do with coming home again or finding your identity in him or finding your place in this family, but you just want to start to make your way forward now. There'll be a smiley face here to put a hand on a shoulder and, and pray with you and listen for what God might want to be saying to you. have some people to come and pray, that would be great. just feel like I get, get a bit of a, a sense that some of you are, are still wrestling with this and that's absolutely fine because it's a big thing and, and actually for you to come forward in itself is even a big step because you don't believe that this is your family. Well, actually, if you, if you put God's family to the test, I believe that God will come through and he will show you. So if, you, if you're hesitating about even coming forward because you don't feel like there's a place for you here, there is a place for you here. So 
take the step, come forward. There'll be someone here to pray with you to welcome you into the family. band are going to continue to just kind of sing that refrain over so maybe for the rest of us who aren't being prayed for maybe you just want to stand and we'll just sing that and declare that together over ourselves over our family declare our identity our our, our sonship our daughtership our place in this family so we like to um end our times together in a in a messy kind of way because we're a messy multi-generational kind of people like that so there's some tea and coffee served at the back if people want to go and grab a drink and connect with some brothers and sisters but we're going to continue to pray don't don't forget you know you can still come forward it's not too late to come forward to prayer if you want or the band will play for a little bit longer as well so just kind of connect in in any way that you want but thanks so much for joining us i'm just going to pray Father God, we thank you so much for, for the fact that you are our Father, that you are the King of kings, yet you love us so intimately. And we just pray that we would take that away from here today, that we would take away our sonship and daughtership, that we would know that there is a place for us in your family. Amen.